Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and this season we are talking about my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. Well, friends, today is the official launch day of Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. It's out in the world, and you can order it wherever you buy books. And if you feel so inclined, I'd be very grateful for you to leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever you bought the book. Thank you so much. This week, we're talking about seasons of life and the different seasons that affect how we practice Sabbath. We want to practice Sabbath through all the seasons, but what life season we're in sometimes affects how we practice. And so last episode, we talked with Charity and Kyle McClure, and they discussed Sabbath keeping with young children. In this episode, I have my friend and board member, Reverend Dr. Phaedra Blocker. She is a preacher and teacher. She's a singer and spiritual director. She's also a professor at Palmer Theological Seminary of Eastern University. And she's with us in transforming communities all the time. And I am thrilled to have Phaedra with me today talking about her experience of Sabbath as a single woman. We also touched on topics of privilege as well, which is a topic that's come up in past episodes, but she has her own unique point of view on that. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Dr. Phaedra Blocker. Well, welcome, Phaedra. I am just so pleased to be able to have this conversation with you. We have had such a wonderful relationship over the years where you've been in community in the Transforming Center. You're one of those ones who says, I'm just always going to be in a transforming community, Absolutely. which is such a blessing because it means we get to keep journeying. And I know that we're going to be on the journey forever <laughs> till we're old and decrepit. <laughs> so that's really beautiful. And they're and then, wheeling us in. That they're <laughs> wheeling us in in our wheelchairs. You know, we're going to be saying, where's my community? Where's my community? Oh, here she is. Right. You know, so we've got that going. And then you've also served on the board for, of the Transforming Center for a very long time. And you've also done some teaching and leading within our communities now as well. So we have such a multifaceted relationship and I'm grateful for it. And as I was writing this book and thinking about how the seasons of our lives affect Sabbath keeping, I was just thrilled to be able to include your perspectives on Sabbath and singleness in the book. And now really thrilled that we can actually talk about the way that you experience Sabbath in seasons of singleness and any other things you're aware of about seasons, because I'm sure you've been through more than one kind of a season with Sabbath. But let's start by talking about how you experience Sabbath as a single person, especially knowing the fact that churches often don't do a good job of acknowledging the season of singleness in most of what they do, right? Yes. And I want to acknowledge it here, and I want to talk about Sabbath as it has to do with this beautiful season uh, that that some of us find our way through. Thank you. And thank you for naming that, because I think Mm -hmm. I I try to talk about that a lot because I've had to work on it and work through it in my own Mm -hmm. life and journey around what does it mean to be single when, particularly in the church, single people are often kind of a thing apart. (laughs) Or, you know, there is this really persistent, but very, I think, erroneous theology that you are not complete as a person unless you are married. Mm -hmm. And so single people sometimes even get looked at as sort of a threat Mm -hmm. (laughs) to marriage or to it's, (laughs) it's all very dysfunctional and we need to 
work it. We need to work through it. But as I think about that, some of the practical pieces of that, there's this assumption that if you are single, you have all the time in the world because Mm -hmm. you don't have to get kids to school and you don't have to. And my response is- You don't have to get home at night to a spouse and so you can work till nine o'clock. I know how that goes. Yeah. And (laughs) so my response is always, but who do you think is going to pick up my dry cleaning or get my groceries? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I don't have this other person Mm -hmm. who can do that. So I actually sometimes have less time Mm -hmm. than a couple does because they're, you know, I've got to make sure all that stuff happens. And that's not a complaint. I actually like singleness. I am a big fan of marriage. Mm -hmm. I am the product of one that I think was a really great example of what partnership Mm -hmm. and, and my ability to counsel couples comes, I think, out of partly out of the health, you know, comes out of clinical training, but it also comes partly out of the health that I saw in the house that I grew up in. So that's mm-hmm. that's good. But the piece of being able to find good rhythms when you are single, it's important to really kind of tune out sometimes the prevailing narratives and think about what does your life need? Mm-hmm. And our lives need Sabbath too. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there needs to be a place where we are stopping and we are resting and we are kind of giving ourselves over to the, the peace and stillness of that and the play of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that Sabbath, you mentioned Rabbi Heschel in the book and, and his uh, wonderful sharing about Jewish theology around Sabbath, that it is for play and it is for sex and it is mm-hmm. for all of that because all of that, which is restful and, and adds to us being fully orbed human beings, yeah. mm-hmm. um, is what we ought to seek out <clears throat> on the Sabbath. And so for me, it has been really a, a journey toward understanding what that means for me and, and being, having to be I don't know, I guess brave enough <laughs> to to name that out loud and kind of claw that out uh, of mm-hmm. of the frameworks. And you mm-hmm. know as well as I do that, you know, when you are serving in ministry leadership, that that's just a whole other mm-hmm. layer and level and set of stuff that yeah. comes. So I've been sitting and I think it was this past week's one of the lectionary readings was from Hebrew, that passage in Hebrews where it talks about entering into the Sabbath mm-hmm. rest. And I I was found myself kind of chewing on that, even as I was thinking about our conversation coming up, that that piece of entering into rest, mm-hmm. you know, rest doesn't just happen. Yeah. You know, we can flop down because we're exhausted, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily an intentional entering into rest. And so that entering into rest for me, because I went through burnout a couple of times, Mm. really became critical of how are you going to do this? Because you cannot sustain this pace. You cannot, these are unsustainable rhythms. You have to find a way to reorganize life. And so I began to do that. It wasn't always popular. But I was clear that my own health was suffering and was going to suffer if I did not do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, now I, you know, it, it's, I'm actually in a season of transitioning my Sabbath rhythm because I've realized that the things that God is inviting me into in this, in, in a new season of life of, 
things that I'm doing is going to require some tweaking and recalibrating mm-hmm. of of that so that it stays so that it stays holy so that it stays set apart mm-hmm. and and that I can enter into it and not kind of just flop down when I'm too tired yeah. to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even the language that you just used about transitioning because you're in a new season of life, that, that to me, it shows about the intentionality with which you are approaching it, that the entering in that you talked about from Hebrews 4, that there's an intentionality when our lives change, our seasons change, to need to relook at our rhythms to mm-hmm. see if they're working. And particularly the Sabbath rhythm, is this still doable in this way on this day or whatever? Or does something need to be tweaked or changed in order for me to continue to have this sacred, holy rhythm in my life? So Phaedra, as a single person, and I know you're, I think you're satisfiedly single. You're, you're not pining away. So no, you, you're, yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you're. Somebody wanders by. That's, that's right. That's the right nice, person, you would not, know it. Right. But you're a mature, I want to say you're a mature single woman yes. living a very mature life. And so what does your Sabbath look like? Because I could imagine sometimes when I'm writing about Sabbath and I'm writing about family and all that sort of thing, I wonder how that lands on the ears mm-hmm. of someone who's single and I don't want to hurt and offend. So, Tell us a little bit about your Sabbath practice, specifically as it has to do with being single. How do you, how do you carve it out as a sacred and holy time, you know, for yourself? And what are the expressions of community that you also might engage in as part of your Sabbath? Yeah. So most Sundays I will be at a worship service mm-hmm. at some time, or so I like going to my home church's early morning service. Someplace, sometimes I'm in other places, but I, I like that the, the community of that. Mm-hmm. I, and then really, I'm, unless I'm doing something, unless there's some kind of occasion or maybe I'll go to meet a friend for early dinner or lunch or something, I really like having that time alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I am an introvert. And so having, I guard rather jealously mm-hmm. uh, the times when I can just be and it, Sunday is one of those times because that's usually when my Sabbath is mm-hmm. right right now. It's about to shift a little bit. But to know that that is time that I am not checking emails and I'm not mm-hmm. and I'm not signing up for a lot of things. So, you know, there are things that happen in the course of life, in the course of the life of the church, installations, ordinations, yeah. all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So that's coming up, of course. I, I'm gonna be there. But otherwise, I really try to just give my time myself time to do whatever my body is feeling and soul want to do that day. So sometimes it's just doing a lot of napping because I'm actually really tired. Sometimes it's digging into a good book. Sometimes it's maybe watching a couple of programs or taking a walk or so I really focus on what do I need to mm-hmm. rest? What do I need yeah. to be there? I more and more, I, I love to cook, but I've also started to pay attention to the idea that I want to be prepared if I don't feel like cooking on a Sunday. So either I'll try to make something ahead of time that I just have to warm up or, you know, there is DoorDash, so mm-hmm. we can, we can, uh, and I try not to feel guilty about that. I feel a little guilty about that sometimes, honest, but I'm trying, I'm working my way through that because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, 
if if cooking is going to be work mm. for me, then today, you shouldn't be doing. Then let's it. not do it. No, let's not let's do not it. Let's not do it. I did really like your comment in the book, though, where you said that oftentimes during the week you might stand at a counter and eat, or you know, eat quickly on the way to something else. Yeah. But that part of Sabbath is to actually enjoy food, like actually yes. sit down at mm-hmm. a table and maybe even light a candle and yeah. enjoy beautiful food. And I thought that was a, a great distinction too. That that you know i could i could see how that could become a pattern of, yeah to, to set yeah. the table for mm-hmm. yourself that's right and have and, it be beautiful and, have it and be wonderful beautiful and you know mm-hmm. use the good china you that's know? right use yeah. whatever china inspires you i don't always get out that but to be mindful mm-hmm. so so i really try to be more mindful about the meals and about eating something that I want to eat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, often, you know, we eat what's in the refrigerator because that's that's cooked and it's fast. And and, and I think that's one of the things that has also helped me kind of think through the whole cooking thing. It's like, okay, if what I really have a taste for isn't here, then am I going to go through all of the machinations to either Mm -hmm. make it or chop find it? Or do I just open the app? <laughs> and I and that's privilege, right? So I'm very mm. clear that, you know, of the relative privilege of being able to do that. I don't do that every Sunday because that gets expensive. But to really try to do things that nurture and take care of myself and mm. allow me to be with myself, um, be with God, be with Max, my cat, mm. <laughs> and just stop. Just know that everything that needs to be done will still be there on Monday mm-hmm. and it will, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be okay. I I have gotten into the habit of even telling my students, you know, A, I really want you to take Sabbath. <laughs> so when I do a syllabus and I've seen syllabuses that just run, have a seven day stretch for each week and oh my, i'm glad i've been spared that i've never seen <laughs> yeah. one of those so i'm really glad yeah i one of those. I've kind of inherited one of those from mm-hmm. somebody and i'm like no but then also really helping them understand please don't make emergency calls and emails on a sunday because i won't be able to respond to you till monday i love you you probably should have asked this question earlier but there's no <laughs> There's no <laughs> condemnation, but there will mm. also be no reply before sometime <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> That's right. Love it. I mentioned earlier this idea of understanding my own kind of relative privilege to make these decisions about whether you're going to order in dinner or what. And, and mm. we began a conversation as you were working on the book about Beth has privilege. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that you included some of that in the book. The idea of, you know, how did this go from being the thing that God ordained for mm-hmm. humanity, period, to privilege? People, um, yeah, people putting it in the category of privilege. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you know, we, and, and, and it says so much about our culture overall and, the interaction of church and culture that we think that way, even in the church Mm -hmm. that, you know, Sunday or Sabbath is for getting all the stuff done and, and that we create culture where we don't think about what does it mean when economically you can't take off Sunday Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if you don't work that Sunday shift, 
bills won't get paid on time, right. you know, or food won't be on the table. Or maybe your employer won't agree to give you that time. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's a piece that as the church, it's, it's a little alarming, I think, particularly these days that we don't think in terms of Sabbath as essential mm-hmm. to, to all humans, yeah, let alone all creation. And just just wondering, have you been thinking any more about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you brought this up because you're right. When I was working on the book my, in the process with my publisher, University Press, there's a reader func- there's a reader process where it goes out to readers, and so it went out to three readers. And one of the inputs that came back was the smacks of privilege, Sabbath smacks of privilege. And I had never thought about it that way because I've grounded in in you know, its origins in the Jewish culture where it was a liberation from oppression. I mean, that's the basic meaning of the Sabbath was, guess what? You're no longer going to live under the oppression of the Hebrew pharaohs or of the the Egyptian pharaohs. Now I'm liberating you. And Sabbath is sign, symbol and reality of the fact that you have been liberated. Mm -hmm. So I want, I mean, that, that, that input like sent me scurrying back to my Bible and back into the Exodus story to say, now, wait a second. What, what, what are the origins of Sabbath have to say to this? And so, from a biblical theological point of view, I'm absolutely convinced that that is what God intended Sabbath to be, a liberation from oppression. In its very essence, it's liberation, sign, symbol, and reality of our liberation from oppression, and that we need to be approaching it that way even in our current culture. It is still sign, symbol, and reality of our liberation from whatever cultural bondages we are in, and we just cannot lose we just cannot lose that idea. At the same time, I also recognize the painful reality that you've just named, that there are those who are working in low-paying jobs, jobs where they have to work. They don't pay enough, so you have to work multiple jobs and sort of piece it together into a, into a salary that can support your life. And I do know that because our culture no longer has any sense of one day of the week being holy and set apart, that means that there's very little sympathy at all for anyone who's trying to, to mark out a Sabbath for themselves. But I'll also say that that's not just about people who are, you know, working multiple low paying jobs. My husband's a banker. And when his when his bank was open on Sundays, he had to be there on Sundays, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just it was a cultural reality yeah. that we had to deal with. And so um, I do agree with you that this is a place where the church really can and needs to support people in thinking through the Sabbath for themselves. And that when this is not a topic that's being dealt with in the church, taught from the pulpit, but also wrestled with in smaller groups and support being offered for people to think these things through, that we leave people to themselves all by themselves to try to figure out the naughty issues about Sabbath keeping. And so I would really love to see the church as a community come alongside people who are in these situations and help them to brainstorm solutions and maybe even be a part of the solution of helping them to find a way out of jobs that are not supportive of their human realities and their human needs. Maybe the church gets involved in creating and offering jobs that are more conducive to living as human beings in God's presence, or helps them to think in creative ways, or helps them to think through how to communicate, helps to think through what their their rights might be in terms of asking for those days off. So those are some of the thoughts that I've had. And in the book, I quote Cole Arthur Riley, where she also really talks about the fact of rest being the the lived reality of our freedom 
from oppression mm-hmm. and from oppressors. And that when she takes Sabbath as a black woman, she is actually taking her Sabbath in memory of those who didn't get it, of her ancestors who lived under very oppressive conditions where they didn't have the right and the freedom to practice their Sabbath. And she's taking it as in memoriam of those yes. who lived. Yes. I, and that just was an amazing yeah. perspective for her, from yeah. her as a young black woman. So those are some of my thoughts, Phaedra. But what what are your thoughts too? Because, you know, from within the black community, from within perhaps communities that you've been a part of where there there were those who didn't have all the freedoms or who felt that they didn't have all the freedoms. How have you come alongside and how have you helped people to know that... Um, to to find a freedom that they're maybe in some ways even convinced they can't have. Yeah, I think that it's the ways in which we look at our ability to find respite, right? Find places of Mm. healing and change and... I, I was thinking of so I and I loved Cole Arthur Riley's piece mm-hmm. because I do think it's either Audrey Lord or Pearl Cleach who talks about rest as resistance. Rest is yes, absolutely. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, I was thinking of uh, a sister who Trisha Hersey who mm-hmm. has a ministry called the Nat Mystery Ministry, and that's one of the slogans of her ministry is that rest is resistance. That the ability to rest, the ability to have control over our own selves and our yeah. own agency mm-hmm. enough to be able to say, I will stop yes. my doing is is so vital. And so, you know, when I think about growing up, you know, there were, I remember my grandmother who owns her own salon didn't open the salon on mm-hmm. Sundays. And so she was really intentional about that. And I, and I, I love that you touch on that in the book that, you know, the ideal would be that we can all do this on the same day as, as family community, as local community, church community, and as broader world community. But if you can't, yes, again, there is now no condemnation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there needs to be some decisions and intentionality and thinking through. And I think one of the ways that the church can help with that is, to first of all, give people a more solid and realistic definition of what Sabbath is. Because Mm -hmm. so often I've heard Sabbath defined in terms of presence and activity at church. Yeah. Rather than this is a day of rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems to me like this is a category, Sabbath is a category where doing something is better than doing nothing. And that doing something is a success in this arena. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to the first thing you said in response to my question, because you just gave it to, you just gave it to me as a snippet of a phrase, but I'd love you to complete the sentence. You you said our ability to find respite. I love that phrase. And I wondered if what you were saying was that we need to help people cultivate help people cultivate their ability to find respite in to find glimpses you know that to not make it such a big 24-hour deal that everybody feels it's out of their reach that yes that what the church could do is to cultivate and support and strengthen people's ability to find respite even in creative ways i i think that's really encouraging really encouraging to this topic that we're talking about and yeah i and i think 
naming that for people. So the whole mm-hmm. piece of defining Sabbath that's right. as rest, mm-hmm. because I think that's been part of the problem is that a we've defined Sabbath as an activity rather than as rest. Right. We've defined it in terms of church activity rather than as the time when you don't even do church stuff. And then we have not leaned into the idea of being countercultural in that sense of the idea of what if we as Christ followers began to name the essentialness of Sabbath Mm -hmm. as rest in our culture? And what if we began to mm. raise questions about this drivenness that we have adopted, you know, particularly as we've come through the industrialized age where everything can go 24-7. And so it does go 24-7. And what if we questioned the idea of Sabbath and the era of making Sabbath a privilege? but instead kind of inhabited Mm -hmm. the idea of a shared humanity in which every human needs Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so how do we reorganize ourselves, restructure ourselves as a society so that that is possible? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And so in the book, I quote from Norm Wiersbur, who talks about a Sabbath economy, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. And and I could not agree with you more. It seems almost too idealistic, but to to order a culture around this, our humanity and Sabbath as part of our shared humanity versus any sort of privilege. And I really also really liked your language about around agency and that to give people to cultivate within people a sense of agency and control over yes. their own resting, even if it's glimpses, even if it's just partial, at least we're giving them a sense that there's something you can do and that's in your control versus not. I think I think that's very significant as it has to do with answering questions about whether or not Sabbath is privilege. Yeah. And there's a piece mm-hmm. that, so I've been following mm-hmm. the thread of this article that came out, I guess, a couple of weeks ago about this idea and this is badly named. Everybody's now starting to say this is very badly named. Called oh. Quiet Quitting. Mm. And the author of the original article talks about, you know, kind of the corollary to the great resignation that mm. happened during the pandemic is that mm-hmm. people are doing what she called quiet quitting, mm-hmm. where they are doing what's in their job description. But they're refusing to take on all a lot of extra work mm-hmm. and work all the extra hours. And because one of the teachings of the pandemic was that you need to have balance and, yeah. and people in some ways experienced that balance were forced to experience it because they were at home. And now they're real. It gave them time to see and realize, Oh, this is necessary. This is how I want to live. And I, I, I'm, Wondering if that might be sort of the tip end of the wedge for us to begin to do that work for that you have a generation of people who have been pushed, invited, you know, just stumbled into sitting with what does it mean for me to work and what does it mean for me to have a life and, you know, that my entire life maybe shouldn't be work. Yeah. Maybe I can just do what I do well 
and then leave room for the rest of life. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. Sabbath kind of naturally then becomes something that people kind of understand would be a part of that. Yeah. That, that there is work and there is play and there is rest. Mm-hmm. And and all of those have to happen for us to be whole. Yes. Amen, sister. Well, Phaedra, thank you so much. Uh, it's been so stimulating and in many ways comforting to have this conversation yes. with you. You know that there is hope for our world, right? A conversation mm-hmm. like this has some hope in it that there that we're not just doomed (laughs) into these lifestyles of 24-7 functioning and productivity, but there are ways that in the church and culturally we can work together so that Sabbath becomes a part of our shared humanity. And I pray that it will be so. Let it be so. Thank you so much. Ashe and amen. Before we go on to our next conversation, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, GoodKind. GoodKind is all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. They have a great tool for Advent and also a Sabbath box to help you practice Sabbath with your family and so much more. So to learn more about them and the products that they make, you can find them at goodkind.shop. As we continue to talk about the different seasons of our lives and how our Sabbath practice might morph and change during each season of our lives, I'm really excited to invite my good friend, Vicki Degner. Vicki has been on the pastoral staff of Church of the Open Door in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's also on the Transforming Center board, and she's been a highly valued board member for many years. And she's a trained spiritual director, and she and I share something important in common, and that is the season of caregiving, that I've been through that season myself, and she is in that season right now with her own parents. And so we want to talk just a little bit about how we continue to establish rhythms of work and rest, even during these really intense seasons of caring for those around us who need us. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Vicki, uh, first of all, let's begin by you describing your own situation with caregiving, who you're caring for right now, and a little bit about your own Sabbath practice, um, even in the midst of seasons where you're caring for others. Well, I'd be happy to, Ruth. I, I've been reflecting on this a little bit over the week in preparation for today, and I found that I was surprised at the amount of caregiving I've done and for how long. I have a little bit of a unique situation in that my son, who is now 36, has autism. And he was very, very ill when he was young and required an intense and extraordinary amount of care. And I want everybody to know he's doing well now these days, very well. But um, there are unique caregiving things that we have to do for him until we die, until we're Mm -hmm. not able to do them any longer. And at the same time, on the other end, my folks this year, um, we closed out their home, got rid of all of their things, moved my dad into memory care, moved my mom three different times. She finally Mm -hmm 
ended up in an assisted living facility. And they both, thanks be to God, now live close to me, just 10 minutes away. Mm. So it's just a hop, skip, and a jump over there these days. But it is intense. Mm-hmm. Wow. Even as you say all of that, I can, I can like emotionally feel it, you know, <laughs> the tenderness of it, the weight of it, the humanity of it. I'm like, this is, this is our life here as human beings mm-hmm. moving out of these seasons. And some of us know that like you, the way that you said it was just so poignant that you will be caring for your son until you're not able to anymore. And that is a part of your reality. Right. That's very tender. And then, you know, you and I have shared so much of the journey around caring for our aging and diminishing parents. Vicki, how do you think about rest in your life and think about Sabbath in your life right now when you will have caregiving all of your life, but right now you're, you're, you know, getting the double whammy of caring for adult children who need your care while at the same time caring for your parents who also need your care. How do you think about rest and work that out for yourself? Well, I think about rest every single day, all day long. (laughs) No, but um, seriously, um, I began to more intentionally practice Sabbath specifically in the beginning for the purpose of returning to some level of rest in my life about 20 years ago. And, um, You know, I have a rhythm of work and rest committed, inserted into my rule of life, and I'm quite dogged about it because much Mm -hmm. of my life has been crisis, and you just simply can't maintain, you can't keep going at that Mm -hmm. level all the time. And so... I'm discovering these days, Ruth, that not only do I continue to be deeply committed to Sabbath for the purpose of rest and replenishment, but for the purpose of practicing honoring my limits, for the purpose of practicing saying no to things. And I also find that it isn't just the seventh day. I I really have a strong desire and I think a deep need to live a sabbatical rhythm throughout the week, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How do you experience that? What does that look like? What is, what is that? Well, it's really ordinary and simple for me, actually. Um, I will go out now at this time of the year and sit in the porch and just sit down for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. stare out at the beauty in the gardens. Or I will tell myself to stop for 10 or 15 minutes and read a book of my choosing in an afternoon. Um, just real simple things like that to go for a quick walk around the block when I don't have a time to do a longer walk Mm -hmm. just for refreshment and a reset. That's how I experience Mm -hmm. it. It helps me reset during the day when I'm going, going, going. That sounds beautiful. And I, I think that that is a really important idea because sometimes in these caregiving seasons, we just don't have the luxury 
right? Yeah. Of the longer times, but we can give ourselves those little breathers. Right. Um, so I think that's God honoring and honoring to the body and, you know, honoring to even your own aging process while you're caring. I mean, that's the other thing that's going on is that you're in your own <laughs> aging process while you're caring for others. And so it's like, how many, how many things can we care for right oh, now? Boy, Ourselves, that, our parents, our children. <laughs> that is my question for you, Ruth. <laughs> that's, oh, no, 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 no. You were supposed to have all the wisdom, Vicki. <laughs> oh. Well, one of the things that I've also seen you do uh, that you're just so good at is that you, you have your vacation rhythms too. And what I've noticed with you that I've, you know, not always been able to accomplish is that like you do your weeks away at the lake, no matter what, no matter what anybody else is going through. We do. You really do. It's like this big, huge stake in the ground um, for that. And I'm sure that really contributes to an overall sense of wellness also. Yes, it really does, Ruth, as as you have observed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, my husband and I are both really grateful that we have that built into our rhythm because we got to stop. Yeah. We, we're away. We can't do it all because mm-hmm. we're gone. So yeah. that helps. It does. Yeah. Do you give yourself the freedom ever? Oh, this is curious. We haven't even talked about this ever. But do you give yourself the freedom to be unplugged from your phone at any point? And now on this caregiving season, or do you just feel like you've got to have your phone with you and on all the time? I, um, I was reminded of that, Ruth, when I read your book, when you, when you mentioned it in there, you had to leave your phone on at night. And I remember a year ago, we were going through a time of deep crisis with my mom and I was getting calls almost every night, at least three or four times a week during the night that mom had fallen again. Mm-hmm. So I had to leave my phone on. Yeah. Um, but now I'm to the place where I, I can leave my phone. Um, I leave it on, but I don't keep it by the bed. Mm-hmm. I keep it down in the kitchen. I screen my calls from my dad. <laughs> so there are certain, um, there are certain boundaries that, mm. uh, we can exert over our technology at certain times, you know, and that, that helps to guard my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was curious, Ruth, in, in the book you mentioned uh, when you were talking about your own season of caregiving, you said you had to discern from week to week what Sabbath was going to involve for you mm-hmm. because of the intense needs of your parents. And I find myself in that place right now. What was that like mm-hmm. for you? And how did you know when it was time to let go of that yeah. and return to a deep rhythm of Sabbath rest? Well, I really do mean it when I said week by week, like even where are my folks right now? You know, is there... Um, yeah. Are there health issues that are pressing that we're navigating and negotiating? Are we at a crisis point? Is there any other care around? You know, like, for instance, when my dad was living alone at home versus when he was in the retirement community, when I was the only person around and he was in the home alone, I I had to be available or somebody had to be available. So I I think I mentioned in the book that I would sometimes, uh, my husband in particular was a great help because he would um, 
agree to keep his phone on. And I would say to my dad, if you need me, call my husband, call Chris and he yeah. will get me because I'll be with him. So um, it was I, I really th- that was a very concrete kind of support that someone else could give me that enabled me to go ahead and unplug while still making sure that my my dad had somebody to call if he needed them. Yeah. When my when my dad was then in the retirement community and we had lined up the kind of care where he had someone he could call. Now, it's part of the reason for even having him enter a retirement community was not because he couldn't exist by himself. It was so that there would be that support of somebody else to call, you know, so that I didn't have to be on all the time or moments when I actually couldn't be. You know, like when I was doing my work, when I was speaking, I have to silence my phone right. when, when I'm in a speaking situation. Um, and, you know, there were there were different, very distinct seasons, both with my mom, with them together as a couple and with him, that there wasn't much I could take for granted. I just I had to discern it week by week in terms of where we were at on the journey and on their journey with their health. Um, and diminishment. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to even have the understanding of Sabbath at that time, because knowing that Sabbath is a practice and it's a gift, but it's a necessary practice for being well, really encouraged me to think about it really thoughtfully and intentionally versus just going along. Yeah. And, and creatively and, too. Yes. Rather than yeah. saying, well, there's nothing I can do. I can't yeah. ever rest in this whole season. Right. The fact that I'd already been practicing Sabbath and that I understood it and I understood why God gave it to us and I understood that it had to do with living within our own limits and God knowing that we couldn't just go and go and go. It gave me the impetus, like a real impetus to fight a little bit and mm-hmm. to say, no, I still need to fight for this, even in this season. It might not be what it has looked like before <laughs> or what it's going to look like in the future, but... I can still fight for this and work for this and I can make arrangements that enable me even to have two hours of being unplugged and resting on the couch. Like you, you know, like you said about getting 10 minutes on the, on the deck to read a book of your choice to give that to myself versus thinking that I couldn't, I think there's something about it that had to do with permission giving because I understood already that Sabbath is a, a practice given to us by God. And I'm grateful for it. I'm not sure I would have survived if I hadn't known that I could do that and work with it creatively during that season. Yeah, well, that is deeply reassuring for me to hear, Ruth, because (laughs) that's where I find myself as well. And I find myself feeling um, a great amount of freedom in God to just grab for the little bits of delight mm-hmm. that I can in in Sabbath, because sometimes it doesn't get to be the whole darn day. Yes, that's right. Um, but you take what you're able to receive, take what's there. Yeah. And, and let God make it a lot enough, like the five loaves and two fishes. I would have to keep that in my mind, too. When, when it wasn't 24 hours, it was only two. Yeah. I would have to remember the story of the five loaves and two fishes and to say, Jesus can make this two hours enough for me this week if it's all I have. Yeah. Um, and I went back to that, the feeding of the 5,000 many times. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about fish and loaves. It was about time. Can yes. God make this time enough, even though it's not all that I wish I could get or have? Oh, yeah. 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 Another thing I was thinking about, Ruth, as knowing that we were going to have a conversation today about this was 
what I consider to be work on the Sabbath in times mm-hmm. of intense caregiving. Yeah. And I noticed that in former years with my son, Ryan is his name, he's home every weekend. We pick him up uh, most weekends, Saturday afternoon, and have him overnight. And um, we bring him back before dinner on Sunday. And we need to do that because we need to keep in touch with him so we can hear from him what he needs, how he's Mm -hmm. doing, if he's safe, you know, these sorts of things. I always used to think of that as work. And I've noticed recently that I don't think of it as work anymore. He's to the point and we're to the point, my husband and I, where we can just enjoy playing dominoes in the porch together in the afternoon or watching a football game and making a favorite meal together or doing things that delight my son and then we're delighted because Mm -hmm. we get to watch him yeah you know so i i just notice what i've considered to be work has shifted Mm -hmm. a little bit and that's kind of interesting well, it indicates that our mindset is is part of all of this, right? Like you're talking about a shift in your own mindset. Yeah. That can make it feel more like rest than like work. I mean, you shifted your mindset. And also, you know, the idea that Sabbath is not solitude and silence. It is to be with our loved ones. Right. And so being with Ryan is part of and finding out a way to be with him that's restful and delightful is actually a significant part of what it means to even take a Sabbath, is to be with the people that you love in those yes. meaningful ways and to create it like that. I mean, you know, you're creating it for enjoyment and for delight versus seeing it as work. So I think I think that is is really beautiful. One of the things that I also found in myself during the seasons of my own caregiving is that I gave myself the freedom to check in with myself to say, do I have anything today that I, I mean, like, how am I? Am I at a place where I just have got to disconnect and take a nap on the couch and give myself that? Or sometimes towards the end of a Sabbath day, I'd realize that God had really given me something inside. I was being replenished and I had the Sabbath gifts I wanted to bring to my parents because I'm a different, better person on the Sabbath. I've been very open about this in the book. And there were times when I had a really authentic desire to share my better self with them. You know, like I wanted to bring them the gift of my more rested Sabbath self. And I would feel like I had something to share with them that was good. And it felt like giving to do that. And I had a real awareness of wanting to share my Sabbath self with them. I wanted them to get the best of me versus the Ruth rushing in and out person that I can be sometimes. And so it, it, it's, there were many moments where it felt like my Sabbath to actually be with them and share love with them because they just would light up whenever I would come around, you know, and so yeah. just to experience their delight in me as their daughter and just to share delight like that. It was, it it was sweet and it was beautiful and it's what the Sabbath is for. We've just got to get it out of our minds that that Sabbath is solitude and silence. That's not what it is. What it is is a period of ceasing and resting with those that we love. And however that looks, yeah, we've we've just got to stop thinking that it's supposed to be about solitude and silence because it's not. It's about community and our loved ones, even those we care for 
are part of the community that God's given to us, right? Yes, I, I fully agree, Ruth, and you've taught us all that over the years. And I love the way you put it. This was one of the things that really stood out to me in, I think it's chapter 7, I'm not sure, that your loved ones could see your face shining love on them within the sanctuary in time that Sabbath mm. creates. And I have experienced that as well. Like, well, when I've on a, on a Sabbath day, if by some gift of God's grace, I'm feeling replenished, we'll make a spontaneous decision to bring pizza over to mom yeah. and dad. Mm hmm. And we'll just shine our faces of love on them, and it comes right back at us from them. They're mm. so tickled to be with us. <laughs> yes. You know. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. A different quality of presence, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vicki, I tell you, it's been one of the great gifts of my life to get to share the journey with you um, as a friend and um, to share this caregiving journey has you and I have held up each other's arms sometimes. Yes, we have. As, as we have taken the journey of caring for our parents. And maybe one other thing that you and I have gone back and forth about a lot that I think is very pertinent to this conversation, and that is the ability to ask for help when you need it. And I know, you know, we have our complications in that, but yeah. uh, you and I have talked and I've shared with you times when I said to my brothers, look, I've got to, I, I got to have you here. Mm -hmm. I, I need some help. And they would come and then I would rest and I would know that, that one of their, their other children was with them. And those were some of the best gifts that any human could give during that time was I had to, first of all, say, I need help. You know, and that right. was an important thing for me to say, I, I need help. I cannot do this by myself. And then to have them, you know, say, well, we'll come. One of us, one of them would say, we'll come. And they would work it out with me. And then I would let go completely of the caregiving for the amount of time that they were there. And it was just a really important gift. So I think for those of our, those who are listening, who are in this season and who might be those who have a hard time asking for help, I just wanted to deposit that and to say, that may be part of our ability to get a Sabbath too, is to say and to work it out with other people that love our parents or whoever it is that we're caring for. Hey, I need help. And then when they come, then really unplugging and taking full advantage of the fact that somebody else is there giving the care that we usually give. To me, that felt like something really important I wanted to offer up here because it really mattered when I was in that season. Yeah, I, I hear you, Ruth. And my story uh, re in regards to that has been has worked itself out a little mm -hmm. differently than yes. yours. But I say a big amen that there is an invitation to transformation when we ask for help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the people we most want help from aren't able to respond and we have to get creative. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I also think when the gift of help comes, it can be really hard to rev it down a little bit. That's exactly it? why I brought it up was because yeah. I would ask for the help and I would know that I needed the help, but then they would get there and I still felt like I had to hover, you know, like, know. you know, and so then I had to say, oh no, wait a second. They came to relieve you, Ruth. So you better let it, you know, you better walk away, walk yes. away and take walk the gift that they're away. giving, walk yes. away. <laughs> and I was, and it's, 
surprised me how hard it was. <laughs> it surprised yes. me that when I would get what I would ask for, I would still find it hard to receive it. And oh. so I want, that's why I wanted to mention it as, as, and I'm glad you named it as a transformative opportunity. Yeah. That when the help is me. there, then, you know, walk away and, yes. um, and receive what Let you're being go. given. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, I've just loved that you and I've been able to go back and forth so much over the years about this, this part of the spiritual journey. And I hope that this part of the conversation for those who are listening and who are in deeply in caregiving seasons will even be blessed by the conversation itself. They'll be blessed to know that, that, you know, this is a place that we all pass through and that there are creative ideas and that God wants to give us the little bits of rest and that we can fight for it a little bit because it's what God knows we need. Amen. I'm so grateful for our friends who have been willing to share their experiences of Sabbath keeping in the different seasons of life. It's been so stirring to know that Sabbath is something that we can practice no matter what season we're in, even when one season might look a little different than the next. And so as we conclude these different perspectives and conversations on the seasons of life as it relates to Sabbath keeping, I want to ask you to reflect on what your soul wants to say to God right now. Can you speak honestly to God about the season of life that you're in, the season that's affecting how you're able to practice Sabbath? Maybe you can say something honest to God about what feels challenging to you in this particular season of your life. And is there an idea or a bit of encouragement that you've received from listening to these conversations that you want to grab onto and claim as a bit of encouragement that God wants for you? as you practice Sabbath, even in these challenging seasons of our lives as human beings. Don't rush on. Take a moment to say something true to God about the season of life that you're in and how you're still feeling invited to practice Sabbath, even in the midst of this season. <music> 